that I think that's a perfect uh, manifestation of you know the classic saying of like the game's not played on paper you know it's played on the field and all of those things do matter and they have some kind of an influence whether it be big or small uh, and that's exactly why <clears throat> you can't just you know write the Braves into the World Series or the Dodgers um, also with one of those high records um, in the league too. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Broadway and Clark, featuring Duncan and Mark. And we are very excited about the beginning of the championship series in both leagues. Uh, Coming at you on Sunday afternoon, a few hours before the Rangers and Astros kick off this next round. But before we do that, Duncan... Let's take a few minutes. We actually recorded during the Phillies-Braves game four on Thursday night. Uh, That pods up for um, anyone that wants to listen. We basically broke down the other three series and kind of had our final thoughts on the teams that are leaving the postseason. And uh, as we were recording, we noticed and were watching uh, the Phillies pretty much handling their business. It wasn't a offensive display of any great shakes, but 3-1 final. What'd you think of that last game, Duncan? Last game was great. I think that was just like a classic. I felt similar to uh, 2011 World Series Game 7, where it felt like the Phillies had all the momentum. They felt like it was basically locked up. Not that it was a formality, but essentially that it was just that one final chapter of the book that needed to be written for the Phillies. And I, I thought they they had it all taken care of, and they just needed to continue what they had already been doing. It was kind of the vibe that I got, similar to, like I said, us in 2011. Yeah, I think it was a pretty simple storyline. Bottom line is, like the rest of that series, uh, the Phillies pitching was frankly better than the Braves. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, the 27 Yankees, as they've been called for the last couple weeks, uh, turned into the 85 Cardinals. I don't know what happened there. But uh, they could not get a hit to save their lives. And, um, you know, Philly's leaders were leaders. They were guys that they kind of reminded me a little bit of the Astros in the sense that, you know, the veterans that have been here before or guys that maybe have been on other teams in the postseason, you know, they did what they needed to do. Uh, The second, especially Castellanos bomb, was just a thing of beauty. I mean, he just stroked that ball right out of the ballpark in what felt like a second and a half. 
And at the time, I believe it made it three to one. And I feel mm-hmm. like that was ball game. Uh, it, it, it just had that vibe, didn't it, all game long? I mean, once Philly got a lead, it felt like they're, they're, the Braves had no answer. Yeah, I mean, over the over the whole game, the nine innings, the Braves had five hits and only accounted one run for that. And, I mean, it never really seemed like they had anything going. And I think there was just kind of that empty feeling where – you just kind of go up. There's no expectation that you're going to do anything, and there's no belief that you're going to do anything at the plate was kind of how it felt. So um, I've got some broader thoughts on maybe why that was the case and things like that, which we'll hop into. But uh, let's just do a quick recap of the series, just little major pieces of things that happened throughout the games. Um, uh, You fine if I run through that, or do you want to do it? No, go right ahead, please. Awesome. Um... So first thing I want to mention was from game one, a big thing uh, in that game, the big story from that game was the catcher's interference uh, with Real Muto and um, Sean Murphy batting. I felt like that was a really, uh, excuse me, other way around, Real Muto batting, Sean Murphy was catching. Um, I felt like that was a big turning point, kind of momentum swing uh, that happened in game one. And uh, of course the... Uh, fans started throwing cans and bottles and things and trash on the field. Not a great look for the Braves. Gotta say it. Uh, just an unfortunate uh, thing from fans. Just ridiculous. Like, nobody should be doing that. You're just making yourself look bad. Uh, you can disagree and boo all you want, but don't do, don't do crap like that. Um, and interesting point from uh, Cardinals' perspective, too. Uh, they mentioned reminiscent of the, I believe, 2012 wild card game. Also in Atlanta, between the Cardinals and the Braves. Um, and I believe it was Pete Cosma, the the old infield fly that was in shallow left with Matt Holiday not quite getting there uh, quick enough, and they called the infield fly. And after that, the Braves fans were throwing trash and everything on the field too. So not the first time that's happened in Atlanta in the postseason. So not a great look from Atlanta. They didn't learn after that time. And almost 10 years later, or over 10 years later, it happens again. Hopefully this is the last time that anything like that happens. But I thought that was an interesting little Cardinals point there. Um, yeah, they they uh, uh, they rewrote the infield fly rule on the fly that game. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I remember watching that as a Cardinals fan and being like, "Ooh, oh, I mean, okay." Uh, <laughs> did not expect that or think that was the case at all. But I mean, I guess we'll go with it. I uh, remember but- uh, Larusa became. That's where that was one of his first real uh, showing of his his attitude. You know, a little bit of a <laughs> little bit of a purist in some respects. Also had the rep of you know being an innovator or whatever with the bat and the pitcher eighth and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he was happy to take that, and boy, did that work out in our favor. So yeah, yeah. We, I said the uh, other. Uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, and I was just going to say that the you know over the course of the series, it just felt like, you know, the Phillies were always just that one step ahead of Atlanta. Yeah. And and you know again, uh, same boat as the Orioles and the Dodgers for the Braves. 
Uh, same deal with the 100-win team versus the 90-win, you know, whatever the Phillies finished with, 90-ish wins. Um, yeah, right on 90. Yeah, right at 90. So, you know, about 10 or 12 games, I guess it was 12 games behind the Braves. And so, you know, these these four round, these four series in the in the division round, and especially this last one, uh, it just felt like that road team, that team that, you know, had the, uh, you know, who did not have the rest, did not have the rust, uh, you know, came in hot and stayed hot. And here we are now with, uh, I think we're setting a record with all four teams uh, with 90 wins or less. Yeah. Uh, first time, I believe, in the history of the championship series. Uh, it's going to yeah, make it fun, though, too. I mean, Harper, Turner, Castellanos, you know, other guys chipped in throughout the series. Uh, I don't think Real Muto had that great of a series, if I'm not mistaken. I think he had a homer in one of the games, if I remember right. Uh, I think that was this series and not the uh, previous. He did, but. he did homer, I think, in game three, maybe two. Uh, game two was the one they lost, right? Yeah, because that was the one where mm-hmm. Atlanta came back at the yes. end, and that was another uh, somewhat controversial play, right? Yeah, which, yeah, let me let me cover that and everything, too. So, um at the end, the only other thing about game one I wanted to kind of mention that I thought was interesting was uh, the Phillies had a quick quick hook on uh, starting pitcher Ranger Suarez, um, but worked a little bit different. Obviously, Ranger Suarez is a different pitcher than Blake Snell um, or Jose Barrios, who we kind of talked about quick hooks in either this postseason or previous postseasons. Obviously, he's a different kind of pitcher, but quick hook with him uh, for the Phillies and then ended up proceeding to shut out the the Braves for the rest of that game. Um, so it worked perfectly for them with their uh, strategy there. Uh, also, bottom of the eighth inning, Trey Turner with a massive play, uh, double play, starting a double play uh, to get out of a, a situation of first and third jam, saving a run to keep it at 3-0. Uh, I think that really killed all the momentum the Braves had and kind of locked up that game for them. Um, so that was game one. Game two, like you mentioned, a huge momentum swinging um, I would say momentum saving um, kind of play with uh, the Braves um, and, and swinging it back towards them uh, with the game ending double play Michael Harris making that great catch against the wall getting it back in and doubling up Harper at first um, I've heard varying different things I've heard uh, opinions that uh, from some people that um, there was the stupidest move ever by uh, Bryce Harper making that. You cannot make that kind of base running error, that kind of thing. Uh, he should know better, like all of that kind of stuff. And these are like, you know, from good baseball minds that they're not just like the uh, mainstream um, sports media uh, thing that cover baseball once a year during the postseason. They don't have a good breed on it and everything, but good baseball people. Um saying that but then i've also heard you know i don't i don't uh you know fault him too much for or hate it too much that he's kind of taking a chance and trying to put some pressure on and those kind of things too so i've kind of heard two sides of the spectrum i'll be interested to hear what you kind of think on that uh here in a second but 
Uh, obviously huge there. Save the momentum for the Braves. Uh, I think if they end up losing that, say he drops it, Bryce scores um, and ties it up. The Phillies have the momentum, probably go on to win that game. Um, and then it's 2-0 heading back to Philadelphia. And, I mean, it's looking bleak for the Braves at that point. So that kind of saved any kind of chance of the series for them at that point. Ultimately, as we know, didn't matter anyway. So the Phillies ended up taking the next two games as well, 10-2 in Game 3, and then finished up Game 4, uh, 3-1, like we kind of touched on a little bit there. Um, of course, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the ending of Game 2. Let's just hop right into it now, because I didn't think there were like crazy other things to kind of cover in each game, other than these kind of broader um, moments or topics um, and things that kind of went down. So, talking about the end of Game 2 there, with doubling up Harper at second, of course, then that brought on the uh, Orlando Arcia comment in the clubhouse um, saying that a boy Harper uh, getting reported in the media gets back. Uh, of course, you know, everybody hears about it then a little bulletin board fodder for Bryce Harper and get him a little bit of momentum, whatever that means. If anybody needs any more momentum in the playoffs than they already have or uh, motivation, excuse me, not momentum. Um yeah, what's your kind of thoughts on on that, um, and generally, with with that whole uh, drama that happened? Well, there was some criticism of Harper on that play for you know uh, getting himself hung out to dry a little bit. Um, you know, at the time, he was being aggressive, probably a little overly aggressive. It was a great play, right? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, probably a mistake base running wise, uh, but not as egregious, I think, as some folks. You know, you're being aggressive there. We're trying to get this game to extras or to win, and we don't have time to be screwing around. This is, I mean, he's scoring from first if that ball's off the wall, right? I think if it's directly off the wall, yes. I mean, if you're if you stay on the first base side of second, um, say you're what three steps off a second, something like that, three four steps off a second, or before you get to second, um, and it's directly off the wall, probably kicks back towards center field a little bit, and the yeah. right fielder is going to have to try to come get that probably. Yeah. Um, prob. I mean, I still think it's going to be a decently close play, but you're probably going to score in, in that case. But you know, say Michael Harris drops it, it's just off his glove, and he hits the wall, and it kind of falls right at his feet you might be ended up at third base, standing at third base, because he might get it in decently quick and you don't have enough time to get all the way around. So I could see that happening too if it doesn't actually kick away too far. Right, and that's, and that's you know, and I guess Harper's making that, that whole calculation in real time in, you know, literally a couple of seconds. And, you know, uh, a force... You know, a uh, what is it? A, a force in motion tends to stay in motion. What's that physics yeah. law? You got and it. So I think he's on his way, and you know he's he he's thinking, how do I get to home plate? Because that's what they need, right? Yes. And so I bet that's his thought before the ball comes off the bat. He's like, all right, I'm getting home. He's he's got that aggressiveness mentality, anyways, in the way that he plays. So I I'm sure that's what he was thinking. 
um, on Eddie's ball and play. Yeah, He's like, all right, let's the get there. The team and all the other yeah. factors. I mean, it just kind of all came together. Now, at the end of the day, the end result is it's it's a bad base running play. Yeah, uh, you're a hundred. That's the risk you take. Right. Yeah, if he has the opportunity before everything happens to discuss it, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna post up just a couple of steps from second. Um, you know, so that I'm, so I, I'm guaranteed third if it's not caught and I'm guaranteed to be able to get back if it is. Yeah. But again, if that happens, what does that make it? Does that, that, did that end the inning? That ended the inning, right? Or no? Uh, that, yeah, that ended the game. So it would have been one out if he drops it and gets to third would have been probably what first and third, second and third, depending on with, with how far two, it kicks away yeah, with two outs. And so uh, if, if he dropped it or if he catches it and he gets back to first, it would have been two outs just running on first. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so again, you know, now you're two outs runner on second or third, uh, most almost certainly third. Um, or no, I'm sorry, two outs runner on first if he makes the catch and he gets back. Right. Um, and so, you know, again, the odds of scoring from first with two outs, you know, against a team that's desperate to even the series at home, probably pretty low. But really, all of it just would have been a bit of a footnote and, a you know, uh, kind of a left maybe a bit of a sour taste or an op, you know, a missed opportunity attitude with the Phils. But then the controversy of Arcia's comments, you know, is what blew up. And so, you know, again, I've, I've heard enough about both sides of it, that, that argument, you know, it's old news at this point. It was five days ago, whatever. However, um, I'm I'm pretty much of the opinion I've been of the whole time. I don't fault the reporter uh, for doing their job. You know, don't say it if you don't want it reported. Orlando, you know what's going on. You know, you can see. And the clubhouse is full of people that you don't normally see or know. So I don't have any problem with the reporter. I really don't have any problem with Arcia. He's just talking no, shit because no, yeah. they just won. Yeah. So, you know, so the media, I believe, did build it up into a bigger story than it was. The story of the series was game three. In my opinion, this is the story of the series because now you're 1-1. You're 1-1. You're going back to Philly. Philly's feeling really good about themselves because they stole one in Atlanta. But they're still even up in a three-game series. Granted, they have the first two at home against, you know, the best offense statistically in, you know, the better part of the last 50 years. I'm, you know, they're probably in the top three. Maybe I mean, a lot of stats say they're number one with, you know, a bit of a bullet. So the big story was game three. Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos come out and both homer twice. And that's ball game. You know, if you're going to hit four home runs in a game, I don't care who's playing who, the team that hits the four runs is going to win 95% of the time, right? Oh, yeah. 
So, you know, just putting the and, – and who started for the Braves in that game? Was that Max Freed? I believe it was. Um, you know, it just – when we start talking about these next oh, was, uh, series. Sorry, Bryce Elder was who started. So oh, essentially yeah. kind of a bullpen-ish game. Yeah, that was Elder. Um, and so they took advantage. They took advantage of, you know, the favorable matchup there with the least, you know, the least interesting or the least effective and, you know, scary, whatever, brave starter. But the bottom line is it wouldn't matter who was pitching. They hit the bombs, right? And, I mean, they just put a chokehold on the series, and then as we discussed, you know, earlier at the beginning of the episode, it it felt like all the the wind was out of the brave sails in game four. And that – and let's not sleep on the Phillies – it's not called Citizens Bank anymore. What's it called? I forget. It's called uh, Citizens Bank, I think. Oh, it is still? Okay. Yeah, I think so. So – but the Philly was rocking. The fans were loving their lives. I mean, I really got a chuckle out of the Rangers who have their first home game of the entire postseason, and it's the clinching game. And, of course, we know they took care of business, and their fans had a big, fun night. But for the Phillies, it was the second night in a row. They just got done watching the four-homer barrage the night before. It was fun, 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 right? Oh, yeah. And and they did not disappoint. I mean, I think it was a long weekend for Phillies fans. And they, uh, you know, they're going to get one more sleep and uh, and hopefully be ready to crank it back up because now they're hosting the next round. So, I mean, I think it was as simple as all that at the end of the day. Uh, the individual plays are what make the games fun to watch and I thought both teams, you know, play. I thought Riley, especially for Atlanta, you know, he's a stud. Uh, Excellent. I thought Riley, good post game or postseason player. Very good postseason player. Yeah, I thought I thought the the presumptive MVP. I thought Acuna was a little quiet over the series. Uh, he did uh, make that out with the bases loaded in game four, which may have changed mm-hmm. things around. That was a big, that was a big moment. Uh, so, you know, uh, all in all, it's, it just continues the trend that this postseason seems to be about, which is, you know, these teams that fought all September, uh, not so much in the Phillies case, they were locked up for a long time and they, they pretty much knew where the, you know, they knew they didn't really have a chance to catch the Braves. There might've been a moment, maybe early August, whatever, where there was some idea that if, you know, if things really worked out, but this, that division was, was settled for a long, long time. Right. And Philly had a, you know, a better, so much better record, you know, much Philly and the Rays were very similar in the way their seasons played out in terms of where they were going to be in the postseason. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the way that the two teams comparatively handled it, I, I found it very interesting. I mean, Philadelphia has been pedaled to the metal since, you know, the very first game of the postseason. And, um, I, I, I feel really good about them going forward. Uh, 
I think the Braves kind of ran into a buzzsaw a little bit, and I don't think we can take a whole lot. I mean, you can't take anything away from their their regular season. It's already written and it's already sealed. Um, but again, like the Orioles, like the Dodgers, did not show up. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, <clears throat> like you said, one of the big moments, too, in, in Game 4, you mentioned Ronald Acuna uh, with the two outs, bases loaded. Uh, huge, huge spot there. Craig, Craig Kimbrell, excuse me, came in, I believe that was in the 7th, 7th um, or 8th, came in, uh, Craig Kimbrell came in early instead of in the ninth yeah, to face Acuna in that situation. Huge moment, I think really interesting and, and shows – from a Phillies perspective, how strong their bullpen is. Um, I mean, Matt Strom, uh, who closed out that game, uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Gregory Soto, Craig Kimbrell. I mean, they just got arms on arms on arms and all guys that are high velocity, uh, a couple lefties too with that high velocity. Um, All of them have closed games essentially. um, And a lot of them, in major capacities in Kimbrel and then Gregory Soto, who was with the, the Tigers previously was their main closer, I believe. Um, and Sir Anthony Dominguez, I believe did it a little bit for the Phillies here and there, both this season and previous seasons too. So they've got high leverage, a lot of high leverage guys at the back of that bullpen and have built a really strong bullpen there. And I think that's going to serve them well, uh, next series too, which we'll talk about, but massive, uh, moment then, um, of course, you mentioned the four homers in Game Two, uh, or excuse me, Game Three uh, with Castellanos and Bryce. Uh, of course, after the Arcia comments, Bryce Harper staring him down twice at second base as he rounds second. Um, you know, I'm a big lover of the storylines of the and the drama uh, kind of thing sure. within baseball and kind of uh, those kind of things versus just the the play by play because I feel like that has such an important impact on what happens as well. Um, so that, for example, with the Arcia comments and everything that were made uh, the night before, uh, or the time before, uh, I don't think needed to be that big of a story. And like you said, not a big deal that Arcia says that anyways. Who cares? But I think it got made a bigger thing partly from the Braves themselves. Because if the Braves come out and say, I mean, yeah, of course we said we were just excited. It was right after the game, you know, not a big deal. He, he made a bad base running mistake, but he's a good player. and We were just excited at the end of the game. Boom. It's a done, not an issue anymore. But they made it a big issue being like, oh, well, he wasn't supposed to hear it. And the media was taking it out of context or the media shouldn't have been in there and like making it about the media and all this stuff. And I think it just took away and it took away from like what the actual interaction was, and it wasn't really anything, um, and made it something way bigger than it needed to be. And so then, you know, Bryce Harper used that um, and kind of added to that storyline in Game Three, which really I think propelled the Phillies. It gave some momentum and things um, over the rest of that game and into Game Four as well to close it out. And I think uh, on a broader broader idea too i really think that the braves in multiple different situations and things showed a lot of thin skin and kind of taken things too personally both with the the media and that whole storyline um there was also some uh, videos and things of uh arcia and uh in the dugout 
yapping at fans in Philadelphia too. And it's like, dude, just turn around and focus on the game. It's like I think just both the Phillies team, the media, and the Phillies fans all got in their heads and um, they had that thin skin and it got to their games and they were, you know, at that point you're never going to win if that's what you're focused on versus focusing on the game. So um, a little disappointing if you're a Braves fan, I'm sure, um, and disappointed if you're a baseball fan too because you want to see a team who performed that well in the regular season be able to show up in the postseason and, and continue that. Um, but I think that was really telling of that team. I don't know if it's a leadership thing on the team or what, but um, I really think that they showed a lot of thin skin uh, with all those things too. Well, I think there's a couple of things we have to remember here. Bryce Harper is one of the faces of the sport. Yeah. And he's got that something that makes stars, superstars and superstars, you know, the, the elite of, of a sport. And, and he, you know, don't poke the bear. It's a, it's a age old saying that is, you know, has a lot of merit and a lot of truth to it. When you, you know, I mean, Bryce Harper's, there's a lot of guys, a lot of folks, a lot of fans out there, are not the biggest Bryce Harper fans. He's had, uh, you know, he had that silver spoon in his mouth, feels like since he was about seven years old. And, you know, he, he was hyped long before he got to the show and, you know, has been hyped ever since. Uh, <clears throat> rookie of the year, right? And I believe so, yeah. Uh, and, and, but then hurt, you know, a little bit. Uh, was on a team that, you know, he was supposed to lead to the promised land and never could, and then came over to Philly and I think maybe hurt a little bit again. But now when he's right, you know, he's as good a slugger as any in the game, and he's got that personality. He just has that that way about him. So this, like the stare downs, for example, that's just gamesmanship. That's just fun. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, a lot of players bemoan the fact or a lot of old timers like me, you know, are not as uh, excited about the, you know, uh, play. Let the kids play stuff. Oh, yeah. Or the the kids dapping each other (laughs) up and, you know, everybody, you know, kissing and everything on the field. I mean, I'm not, you know, naive to think that these players don't have friendships off the field in the off season. It's always interesting when you hear a story about this guy works out with that guy and, you know, they're both from Southern Cali or, you know, whatever the story is, there's, there's, you're right. There's a lot that's going on both behind the scenes. I was just watching Arcia making faces at the fans and Acuna yeah. telling them to, you know, pulling them back around and, you know, and, and some of that is youth. You know, some of that is, I don't think we can discount a, a lot because I think this is a theme and I think we'll maybe discuss this after the season. But, you know, there's a lot of pressure when you win a hundred and some odd games and you're the best team in the league, right? There's, there's an expectation that even though you know you still have to go and perform on the field and, you know, in any interview they're going to say we didn't get the job done and all, before the series starts, you're like, hey, we handled these guys. We handled everybody all season long. We're the best team in the league. 
this is our series to lose. And it just felt like, you know, after game two, they had that sigh of relief and they're like, oh, we, we, you know, they obviously they were a little excited. Arcia was excited. The whole team was excited. Like you said, it shouldn't have been a big deal. But you forgot who you were messing with. This is Bryce Harper. You don't think he's going to take every advantage, find every way to make this into a bigger deal than it was? Of course he is. That's the game. So I still come back to the execution and the four bombs in game three. Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, how much that says about pitching. The Braves did get unlucky. Uh, with some of their pitching, you know, down the stretch and really all season long. But, uh, you know, they had some injuries to starters, not not to the extent, for example, the Dodgers did. But I I think the, the you know, the, the clenched butt factor, uh, the CBF, as, as we like to call it, I think that had something to do with, with the Braves' performance. I think they tightened up. And who's looser than Philadelphia? I mean, they came, they they pretty much came out of nowhere last year, and you know we kind of saw this team put together and constructed in such a way that you know really made it work. You know, you you talked about the bullpen, so it shortens games if you can get you know Nola and and Suarez had a great outing, so. Again, I mean, we could dissect these games individually to death, but at the end of the day, the Phillies outslugged them, uh, pretty much outmedied them, if you want to put it that way. Uh, and they're moving on, and the Braves, like the Dodgers, like the Orioles, with their 100 wins and their best record in the league, uh, you know, good on them. They got a win where the other two didn't, but at you know, wasn't good enough, not nearly good enough. And their fans, uh, you know, who probably hated the Phillies just fine before the series started. <laughs> right, right. Now now they hate them with more passion. I mean, it's because it's the only thing that's going to fuel their offseason. They're going to talk about, can we add another arm? You know, what do we need to do with some of the position players? Uh, you know, is Acuna, is, uh, not Acuna, Azuna, uh, Ozuna, Mark, uh, Marcelo is, you know, is, is he the big slug in DH? We want to keep paying going forward. I forget what his deal is with them. He might, I think he signed through next year, but I'm not, yeah, I have to look not a hundred percent certain. We'll, we'll break that down after the season, but that's what they're going to be doing. They're going to be saying, how do we, you know, we missed a big opportunity and uh, Philly's going to play another four games minimum. And I think, I think we're both going to believe that it's going to be, you know, at least a couple more, more than, that. than that. Yeah. And, uh, and potentially, you know, they get the world series uh, ring that they didn't get last year that they thought maybe they, you know, well, that they had a very, you know, they had all the chance in the world to get. So uh, it was fun. It was, it was, you know, like, like the other three series in this round uh, it was a lot of fun. This one uh, by far had the most national drama. The people, I, you know, definitely casual baseball fans cared about more than the other games. Uh, all the games, I believe, were in prime time. So uh, the MLB, I think, got it 
pretty much what it wanted. I mean, obviously it would have been a better storyline if Atlanta comes out in game four and wins and they go back to Atlanta for the winner take all. But, uh, but yeah, that was, those, those are basically all my thoughts on that series. Uh, you know, again, I, I, I don't, it's hard to see it with Philadelphia. I mean, what, when it happens, you're like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All that makes sense. But could I see, uh, you know, Harper going uh, 0 for 4 with three strikeouts and Castellanos, you know, with uh, with two or three fly ball outs and, you know, maybe hit into a double play. I could see all those things happening. And I could have seen Atlanta come in here and just, you know, have those loud bats be loud and get to one of the two Philly aces and, you know, have having already won two at home, you know, win it in exactly the same fashion, three out of four. So that's what makes it great. And now I'm looking forward to two more series where, huh, I can't wait to for us to talk about what we think is going to happen here. What other thoughts, what final thoughts do you have on uh, Philly and the Braves? Anything? Yeah, the only other thing that I have <clears throat> thoughts on for that at least was just – and of course, I don't. I don't know any of this for sure. We only got to see what the cameras show us. Um, but from what I could see, at least, it just didn't. I didn't perceive that the Braves had any fight. Really, it didn't appear that they were really fired up after they got punched in the mouth. Whether it was the four home run game or uh, whatever that happened uh, after that. Uh, I don't I don't I didn't really feel like they were there was anyone on the team that was rallying like all right here we go like lock back in let's get back in it it just I mean everybody just kind of looking at their shoes um and you know heads down you know feeling kind of down about everything and I know that like they're generally kind of like a stoic team Matt Olson isn't the stereotypical rah rah guy same with um Austin Riley uh, obviously, Ronnie Ronnie Acuna has uh, a lot of fire and everything with the way that he plays, which I love. Uh, Arcia, of course, also a Venezuelan who's got a lot of fire too in the way that he plays. Um, <clears throat> and Spencer Strider similarly has got a little edge to him uh, on their pitching staff. But I think generally a lot of their big guys, Sean Murphy as well, is just a more stoic guy too. Um, so I don't know if they if they just need more of that on their team. Uh, I would have expected maybe Acuna to be that guy to just like rally everybody because it seems like Bryce Harper is kind of that guy um, for the Phillies. And you look at you go go down their roster. You know Harper, they're big guys, the big guys that they have. You got Harper, uh, Schwarber, Rio Muto, uh, Trey Turner, a little bit more underspoken or. Un- yeah, it's a little bit quieter there. But a lot of their big guys are pretty rah-rah guys that um, can get pretty fired up. And so I just felt like there, was, there wasn't that gamesmanship like you mentioned with the stare-downs, um, which I think is all that was, like you said. And I think that, uh, I don't know if you, if you watch the Ryder Cup or anything like that with it being in Europe, the Europeans just have that down with, the way that they watch sports and just the give and take and just kind of, um, giving each other crap and that kind of stuff. It's just all part of it. Um, but when you, when someone is giving it to you and 
you don't say anything back and you're just like, well, I'll just beat them with my play, but then it doesn't happen. It's just a bad look. And it just appears that you don't really have any fight versus if, you know, you, you get, you get it, you take it and everything, but then you can also give it back a little bit too here and there, whether it's a pitcher punching a guy out or whatever. It just seemed like they didn't really have any fight back, but that was at least what I saw. Maybe they did. It was all in the clubhouse or the cameras didn't catch it or something like that. But that was at least kind of what my thoughts were when I was watching what they were showing at least. So, Yeah, that's, that's, that's good stuff. Uh, let me just follow up with just a couple of things that, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, I thought about, but I don't know how, uh, you know, I don't know if there's any real impact there, but it's, you know, part of what we do over a three-hour baseball game, uh, which before this postseason's over, I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about how the umps are handling the flow and the pitch clock. Uh, and by the way, and, and anyway, I just had another thought that came in my head. Forget that. But uh, Thompson, I think, is I, – I just get a good feel with that guy. And Snitker, uh, Snitker's a baseball lifer. And he's had, you know, since he's been the manager, he's had a ton of success. Uh, he was the manager of the team that won it all two years ago, right? Yeah. And uh, they, um, and he's, you know, he's, he's just, he's just a, he's a, I think he's been with the Braves his whole career, if I'm not mistaken. Uh and he is just that organization guy. And in fairness to the Braves, if you look at Strider as their ace, who, you know, he definitely established himself as that this year, probably the, uh, well, I don't know if he'll be the Cy Young in the National League or not, but there's an argument for him. Uh, you know, from the traditional wins and all that, you know, he definitely led the league and and was very strong in, in you know, being the Braves' ace all season. And then with Ronald, you know, obviously being I – mean, he's going to be the MVP and he's he's one of the top two or three offensive players in the NL. Um, but they're both – I mean, Strider's not young, but they're young in terms of their stardom, right? I mean, Acuna's been a star for since he came in the league, but, but there's – it's it just – for me, there's a different feel. You know, Murphy's new. Olsen's only been there a couple of years. Uh, you know, Ozuna in and out, and he's kind of a mercurial, seems like, personality. You know, like you said, sometimes the Latin players uh, will be a bit cliquish. Um, and the same thing with the, you know, the, the American players that came up maybe more traditionally through the travel ball and then the, you know, maybe the big time college NCAA system. So there could be some of those things could all be factors, but you're right. When you talk about being tight, when you talk about not showing a lot of fight, I think all those things were, were, and you know, when you're on that biggest stage and when the cameras are on you every second, you know, it's, you, I think the guys that are the best at it just learn. You know, we we have had the privilege of watching the Cardinals in the postseason, you know, almost every year of the last 20. I mean, obviously we had that four-year stretch in the 
teens with Matheny where we couldn't get there and it was tough. But we, you know, we that was coming off a World Series appearance and so on. Uh, we, uh, the guys that that just kind of get there quicker or get there and have that experience, I think they're able to, you know, because like you said, you enjoy all that. You enjoy all the the additional gamesmanship and the the storylines that are beyond the you know the white lines and so on i i uh and i appreciate that too and over the course especially at a regular season i mean that's really what carries us as fans you know we we love the games and you know sometimes we live and die with our teams pitch by pitch game by game but that's over five and a half six months and that gets hard so the you know you narratives take place and we say what's you know who is this team who is that team and the Braves this year just you know I don't want to say quietly because you know they were in the news from day one because they were so good but it wasn't apparent to me who their real leaders were and uh and again I think they they went up against the boys that you know feel I mean Look at a Brandon Marsh, for example. How ridiculous is that dude? You know, he's 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 a good baseball player. He's got solid statistics every year. He fields his position. He does everything he's supposed to do on the field, but he looks like a circus show while he's doing it. And I think the fans in Philly just just eat that up, just eat it up and love it. And so you know, I'm, I'm ranting a little bit and rambling a little bit here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut her down. But but that's kind of the the vibe. You know, when you talk about it, I mean, you're you're really good at, at, at seeing beyond the, you know, the uh, obvious. And I appreciate that. And, you know, I don't know how much any of what I just said had any impact on any of the play, but it certainly feels like it does. Yeah. No, I th- I think it did for sure, and I think there's that. I think that's a perfect uh, manifestation of you know the classic saying of like the game's not played on paper. You know, it's played on the field, and all of those things do matter, and they have some kind of an influence, whether it be big or small. Uh, and that's exactly why <clears throat> you can't just you know, write the Braves into the World Series or the Dodgers, um, also with one of those high records um, in the league too, you know. So it's all played on the field, um, and I think those kind of things are important to to think about, especially with, like, a really interesting conversation, which maybe we'll touch on uh, at a later time too, but about there's been some talk about restructuring the playoffs and those kind of things because, you know, all the – the one seeds are, are gone, um, essentially. So uh, are all the, the top teams, like you kind of laid out towards the beginning. So uh, there's been talk about that. But ultimately, that's what the playoffs is all about. It's a, The playoffs isn't set up so that the, the two one seeds end up just meeting in the uh, World Series every year. That's not what it's all about. So um, all these other things do matter, whether it's big or small. I think that what you said was, was perfect, yeah. Well, that's great. So let's. So we got rid of the the boring, dull, sad sack teams with their, 
you know, a couple hundred million dollar payrolls. And now we have four teams that kind of represent four really distinct lanes of how a baseball team, you know, becomes successful in the postseason, right? I mean, we're probably not looking at a, I mean, none of the four are defense first, you know, starting pitching, lockdown bullpen teams. Although, yeah. although all four have gotten really good pitching so far in this postseason, which is the story of every postseason. But uh, what do you think? You want to start with the, uh, or do you want to cut this and uh, and then start another one for the previews? Um, we'll see kind of how long we go with the previews and stuff. If we, I, I don't think the previews will be super long, so we could, um, we might be able to just do it all in one because we're at about forty-five-ish minutes or so right now. So uh, let's just hop into it. We'll see how long we go, and I'll, I'll kind of play it by ear with editing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you can cut the last minute and a half out, and it'd be easy. Yeah, uh, and then you decide how you want to split it. I yeah. uh, so let's start with tonight's game, uh, Rangers. Astros in Houston, Houston, uh, same exact regular season record, 90 and 72. As uh, everybody remembers, although it feels like forever ago, Houston clinches the division on the last day of the season where the uh, Rangers with a whimper were shut out one nothing by uh, the team, the third team in that division, the Mariners, who, you know, just came a little bit short, one game short. Uh, but did throw that uh, that one no shutout on game 162. So Texas had the added responsibility of uh, facing, you know, well, what they did was they beat the, the top two records in the American League, both from the American League East. Pretty impressive when you think about it like that. Very impressive. But now they, yeah. now they face the seven-time consecutive ALCS participants, the Houston Astros, uh, the team that most people love to hate. I would say they probably have, you know, I mean, they're not Yankees level hate, but they're, 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 they have a, they have developed for a team that, you know, six, eight, 10 years ago, whatever, not eight, not six, but 10, 12 years ago was, you know, consistently losing a hundred games, kind of going through their own version of the process uh, that the 76ers made, uh, pop, you know, popular. <laughs> I was just about to say, trust the process. <laughs> although, although they got nothing out of it in the postseason, unlike the Braves or the Astros. But, um, yeah, tonight it's, uh, Montgomery against Justin Verlander. And, I really believe this. I was thinking about this before we got on today that I think the series is decided on tonight's game. Really? Yep. I really believe that. I, I, oh, I can see that. I, I know it's, I know it's, I mean, there's going to be a ton of baseball played after tonight. And I don't think it's going to be a sweep either way. I don't think it's going to be a five-game series. I think it goes six or seven. Yeah, I think so. And but I think it's it's. I think ultimately the winner of tonight's game wins the series. And this is why I say that. 
Jordan Montgomery has been just a revelation for the Rangers. When you look at the players, the pitchers on their IL right now, the Cardinals would sign up for that staff in a second. Odorizzi, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, I'm talking about the Rangers there, aren't I? I uh, gosh darn, I do that all the time. <laughs> but I am talking about no, I am talking about the Rangers. Jordan Montgomery, yeah. When you look at Scherzer, uh, uh, John Gray, Odorizzi, and whomever uh, uh, Miller. Uh, I forget his first name, but um, those four guys on the DL or the IL and, uh, but actually uh, the reports are that both Scherzer and Gray have been added to the roster for this series. I just had that pulled up that I was going to mention. Yeah. Now how that plays out, we don't know in terms of what they're going to be able to do, but I got on a little bit of a tangent there. Montgomery uh, has been solid. Two two starts. Uh, the second one not quite as strong in the postseason. Uh, but we all remember Game One of the Wild Card Round, where he came in and I think it was seven innings shutout, maybe. Uh, and so, and Verlander, everybody knows. You know, I mean, I don't know what we need to say about Justin Verlander, except he's, you know, he's 40 years old and he's arguably the scariest starter left, right? Um, so what do you think? I I just feel like, I mean, both teams, the, the, the offensive numbers are off the charts. It's just one guy after the next. You got Alvarez, who everybody's scared to death of. You got Altuve that's been doing it forever. You got the youngsters in Texas, or maybe the not so young guys, but maybe first time on this kind of a stage, like an Adolis Garcia. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, my thoughts on this series is unfortunately, I think it's going to be the Astros. Um, personally, I would not like to see that in the in the World Series. That's just me. Um, but I think it's not, or I think it's going to be them. Uh, I really, truly think that the this series hinges upon not necessarily the pitching of really either um, either team. I think it, and I think it's really going to hinge on the hitting of the Rangers, which I guess ties into the pitching of the the Astros. Whatever, however you want to look at it. Uh, but I think that no matter what, I think the Astros are going to score, and they're going to have. I don't. I I couldn't really see them getting shut out in really any game. Even if Scherzer starts, I I would be shocked if they got shut out one game just because Scherzer hasn't pitched for a while. Um, so they're going to score some runs, but like we mentioned in a previous episode, uh, the Rangers are a very streaky team both with having uh, high highs and low lows. Um, so if their offense can keep hitting, they might be able to outscore the Astros in those games where the Astros are going to score and maybe score high. Um, but, you know, if they have some games, like you mentioned, this, starting, this opening game uh, with Verlander, you know, if they get shut out by Verlander for seven innings 
and then maybe score two, something like that. Um, you know, it may be a 6-2 game to start. And maybe the Verlander shutting them out is the beginning of a little slump for them, and they just kind of fall apart for the rest of the series. I could totally see that happening with them being such a streaky team. So like you said, I think uh, I, I was kind of shocked when you first said it, but I think you're right that this first game could really be where the series is won and lost, even with Scherzer being back and everything too. I mean, it's going to be important, but if they if they go down 0-1, if the Rangers go down 0-1 with this and it not just, you know, they lose like 5-4 or something like that, if they go down and it's 6-2 or even more, uh, than that, uh, I could really see in that see that being a, a huge blow to their confidence. Um, although they've got some guys, man, this is really tough. <laughs> I keep going back and forth in my head now because they've got some guys like Adolis Garcia, Corey Seager. He's been there before. He knows how to win. Um, Marcus Simeon is a great player too. I mean, they've got some guys that they're not just like guys that just showed up this year in the last two years. Those, I mean, Adolis Garcia, yes, a little bit. Um, but those other guys, they are, you know, bona fide stars in this game and they are steady and solid high floor players. Um, man, that is really tough, but I think it's still at the end of the day, I think it's going to be the Astros. Um, and like you said, I think the game, this first game is going to really put a big impact on the series and kind of decide it, which is a bummer. But I hope that Montgomery would be awesome to see Montgomery uh, come out and outduel Verlander. Maybe Verlander has like an average start that's like f- five innings, three, four earned, something like that, where it's like, I mean, he got out of some jams here and there, but, you know, he gave up his fair share and the Rangers are up four, two, you know, uh, starting in the sixth inning and, you know, Monty had only given up one, one earned, one unearned, something like that. I don't know, but that'd be pretty sweet to see Monty go out there and put in a good performance. Well, and if, if the Rangers can do something like, you know, an Alvarez solo shot and a, you know, a Kyle Tucker, Tucker double that scores, you know, one of the other guys, Altuve or something, then, then, you know, that's how they limit, that's how you limit Houston because obviously in any inning they can score multiple runs. But if you can space that out and, you know, whenever they do hit a long ball, you know, you try to make sure there's not men on base, that kind of thing. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, that's, I mean, you know, we've seen that many times. The other thing we have to remember, same record, if you look at Montgomery and Verlander this postseason, uh, I mean, Verlander only had the one start. So, but, you know, the, the numbers aren't, I mean, their, their regular season numbers aren't that much different. Uh, so anyway, Verlander on paper is by far, you know, I think the the Astros are minus 145. I think the predictor has them at like a 58% prior to the game to win uh, game one. You know, all those things that the, you know, that those of us that think we know what the future is going to bring, you know, try to try to impart there. And I just, I, 
I agree. I mean, Jonah Heim versus Maldonado. You know, I looked at the position by position breakdown. It's pretty darn. Yeah. It's pretty darn even. Uh, you know, I mean, you could say, well, is Jose Abreu the key to this series? Because you know, is he regular season Jose or is he playoffs Jose? Uh, I mean, it's you know, Simeon and Seager. As the leaders, the veterans, you know, been there a couple years now, uh, you know, can they put this team kind of on their backs and and show the younger guys, you know, are the guys that haven't, you know, had this taste before what it's like and really lead them? You know, is Scherzer a factor at all? Is John Gray a factor at all? Um, you know, what kind of shape are those guys in? I don't know. Uh, is Nathan Eovaldi, is he still, you know, he's, he's got a little bit of a playoff Nathan vibe to him. Right. And so, oh yeah. so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the fact that they're division rivals, the fact that they have the exact same record, uh, in the regular season. So this is, this story has been being written really since opening day. And I see it as a continuation. I see it as a tight series. Uh, I could easily see a 10-2 victory uh, either way. In fact, I expect to have one blowout from each team um, in, you know, in the series. And uh, again, I think whoever goes up 1-0 tonight will, um, you know, now they're playing basically with house money in the case of the Rangers. Um, you know, it eliminates home field for the Astros, although we could probably, you know, safely argue that the rich people that can go to these kinds of games and make that decision, you know, kind of last minute once a matchup is set. Uh, those folks, you know, Texas has plenty of them. And, you know, those two cities are close enough together that I expect there's going to be uh, an interesting mix of away, you know, visiting fans at both parks. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that'll be a, a really interesting part of that. Oh, and I, I just, I mean, I'm really, I, I think it's, uh, uh, this is a, uh, uh, who's got this, ESPN? I think it's ESPN has the, um, the ALCS. This is a real opportunity for the broadcasters. I mean, we can really showcase this. The, the sport can really be showcased nationally, uh, even though, you know, theoretically, this is a boring Texas series between two division rivals. In what is arguably the least sexy division in baseball, um, unless you're a real, you know, a real head and you really like that you know, that three-headed competition. And then, of course, you have Shohei and Trout, or you had, in um, in the same division as well, along with, you know, arguably the worst team in baseball or one of the two or three that's, uh, that's you know, embroiled in a, in a move. You know, they could be the first team to relocate uh, in a really long time. So a lot of drama. A lot of drama around this series. Going to be so much fun to watch. Uh, Corey Seegers is a is a real. He's a real dude. He's a real old school, you know, stud baseball player. 
Um, what can you say about Bregman, Altuve? And, you know, in, in a week we might be saying, well, yeah, Alvarez set a record by hitting five home runs in the championship series. And I could totally see that. <laughs> yeah, and Houston had three blowouts and one in five. You know, I mean, that's that would not surprise yeah. me. Uh, but very much looking forward to the games. Yeah, I think that'll be this will be a really really good series. Although, uh, any other thoughts on this one before we uh, preview the other one, which I'm really excited for, actually. Oh, uh, the other one's the one that's that's going to be more fun than we because. Because you talk about a completely unpredictable situation. I mean, nobody expected Texas to get here. But now that they're here, it makes all the sense in the world. But this next series, yeah. I mean, why don't you take the lead on it? Because it's, it, it's going to be a blast. I was going to say, who's, uh, who's ready for a little, like, 1980s baseball versus which is coming around maybe 2020s uh baseball versus you know the the mid 2000s kind of style uh baseball between uh the Diamondbacks and then the Phillies I think it's going to be incredible uh, ultimately I think it's really going to come down to what the Diamondbacks can get out of pitching um and then what kind of pressure they can put on the Phillies defense um is going to be really big so I think the the Phillies defense is going to be massive. Obviously, they have um, Johan Rojas uh, in center, who you know made that great catch against Acuna, which we mentioned um, in the uh, the DS recap there between those two teams. Um, made a great catch there. Uh, Castellanos being out there, uh, if if he's going to play or if he's going to DH, whatever the case is, I think they're going to need some really solid defenders during this series as best they can. Um, to defend against the chaos that the Diamondbacks are going to create, and it's going to be really fun. Um, but it's ultimately going to be, I think, uh, down to what the, the D-backs can get in pitching and then what they can do as far as getting on base. Because if the Phillies pitching comes out and, you know, you get Nola and Wheeler, you know, pitching their strikeout stuff and you can't even get the, the D-backs runners on base, so it doesn't even matter if you can create chaos if you can't even get on base. So, um I think that's going to be the big storyline of the the series is if the D-backs can get on, get on base and then if they can keep the Phillies offense quiet somewhat cuz Philly just has that the way about them of coming up with the big hit at the big time. So, but I am so excited. It's two teams with a lot of a lot of momentum, a lot of juice, um a lot of energy. Um yeah, I'm just really fired up for this one. I I'm kind of maybe with other other people too, but I'm kind of over the Astros at this point and their streak, um, their little run that they've been on over the last decade ish. Um, kind of ready for something new to show up and and be excited about as far as just baseball in general goes. So that's kind of general thoughts on this one. What do you got for this? Well. First of all, I think we have a real contrast between the two series. So what's the history between the Diamondbacks and the Phillies? Does, does, I mean, I would, I would argue one does not exist. You know, maybe there was a regular season series that I'm not aware of that the local fans would, would be able to speak about that had some, some excitement or some drama. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty doubtful. 
I think I saw, yeah, we saw the, uh, I think you and I were both there. I don't know if, uh, I, I think, but we, I, I saw the uh, Diamondbacks at least once this year. And they, uh, you know, they're a bit nondescript. I mean, they have been, right? When's the last time they really did much of anything uh, in the postseason? And they're young, have a young team. And who are the who are the vets? Who are the veteran leadership? I mean, obviously it's Longo. Uh, I'm certain we, you know, if if you were to pull the Diamondbacks dugout, uh, they'd, all, they'd oh, yeah. all point to the old man and say he's our guy. Uh, you've got a, I think arguably mercurial vet in Tommy Pham, who they've got batting third a lot. Um, who is one of those ball players that other ball players seem to just love, um, but is not probably the easiest uh, player for the fans to get behind. We've talked about him a little bit. We should probably deep dive his whole career after the season. I like and that. just see and see what we're really you know what we're really dealing with here. But he's been he's been fine. Uh, they are undefeated, just like the Rangers coming in. Uh, they just got done taking down the mighty division rival Dodgers. So, but this is really a story for me of a young, hot team with some budding super, I mean, Corbin Carroll has already been anointed as, you know, the future, one of the future faces of the game. Yes, uh, I, he I is a future that, star. I mean, he could be a star already. Right. But. I don't know that he necessarily has signed up for that role. I don't think he's going to take to it like uh, Bryce Harper, for example. But the kid is is really good. And... I believe, you know, you know how I love defense. You know how I love catchers. I think that Moreno is is going to be a star as a catcher in this league for the next, you know, decade plus. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I just love the way he goes about his business. He feels like the kind of guy who is going to have that big postseason knock that you know, that probably is a little outside of what the expectation is for him. Like you said, the games are played on the field, not on paper. You know, Kelly, Gallon, Fott, is that your World Series winning starting pitching rotation? You know, your top three starters on a World Series championship team? Sure, why not? Yeah, you're. I mean, but with that, you're not going to be able to have uh, a miss per se. Like you can't have any of those guys miss on any of their starts. They're going to all have to perform. Granted, because you don't have anyone to really pick them granted. up. If and they, the same thing with like yeah. is who's who is Philly's number three? It's Suarez, right? Yeah. So the same. I mean, so if you want to say the series comes down to Fott versus Suarez, I mean, you can kind of generically make that comment anytime about any series, you know, the number three starters in a seven game series becomes super important. I think the winner of game three, especially if it's a one, one series, uh, 
goes on to win the series, you know, better than three quarters of the time, I believe is the stat, maybe even higher, you know, maybe even quite a bit higher. Love it. Great stats. And so, you know, we'll see. But again, we got to get through game one. Uh, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Kelly and then and uh, and Wheeler? Is it going to be Nola Gowan? Is it going to be, you know, we're going to flip those two on either side? I haven't seen that yet. Um, it's Monday night, tomorrow night. But uh, all four of those pitchers have been very strong, and all four of them, you know, are – I mean, obviously, Wheeler and Nola, a lot more experienced, a lot older. But uh, all four of them are among the top starters in the NL, right? So it'll be very interesting to see how the whole thing plays out. Uh, I don't think – I think we're going to see, like you said, some old school games. I think we might see, you know, a 3-1 or – you know, the Phillies only gave up eight runs in – in this in four games to Atlanta. So if you're able to limit a team to a two run per game average, you're going to win most series, right? Uh, Conversely, uh, the Diamondbacks, you know, both scored plenty of runs, uh, you know, over the five games, not, not a ridiculous clip, but, you know, scored plenty and held the opposition in the case of the Brewers and the Dodgers to, you know, to not a lot. So, I mean, especially in the case of the Dodgers. So, I don't know. I I, I like Perdomo. You know, we just talked at length about the Phillies and everything they have. I have no idea how this series is going to play out, but I know it's going to be a lot of fun. And I just have a feeling there's going to be some – some postseason heroes made some, I, I have a feeling it might be, you know, is it going to be a stop? Is it going to be, you know, who is going to, is going to be an Alex Thomas? I mean, somebody on one of those two teams that you're not expecting is, is going to be a hero. That's probably going to win a game. Is it going to be one of the relievers on either side? You know, is Soto going to come in and pitch five outs, you know, and strike out four to, you know, to preserve a 3-2 win or some something like that? Uh, that's what I'm expecting. I'm, I'm expecting that, you know, it's not going to be – I mean, the, the Diamondbacks don't have big names. You know, we said who's their leader, who's their biggest – who's their most famous player? Is it – I don't know, Zach Gallon. I mean, I don't. It's. I mean, it's It's Longoria in terms of longevity. Yeah, over the co- over the course of the career. Well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, in today's game, when's the last time? When's maybe? the last time he was? You know, Evan Longoria was a, you know, a top ten player in in his league. I mean, that's that's. I mean, ever since he went to the Giants, I mean, he did well with San Francisco, but he was never. You know, when you list top third baseman, he was never like, oh, I mean, it's Longo at the top of the list there for sure. I mean, ever since he left Tampa Bay, pretty much. Right, exactly. And so, you know, this is, it's, a, it's are the Diamondbacks the 22 Phillies? I don't know. Um, you know, in the case of the Rangers, 
every round, I was convinced they were going to lose. Uh, I felt the same way about. I thought you, you, and and a lot of right, you know, a lot of right thinking baseball fans saw these Diamondbacks handling their business against the Brewers. Um, I mean, it was it was a fun pick, and it was easy when you feel about the Dodgers the way a lot of fans do. I mean, you know, the Dodgers are arguably the most hated team in the National League. Um, and I'm, you know, I mean, and I count our Cardinals in probably the top three of that list. But the Diamondbacks are just poised in my mind to really come out and kind of kind of quiet that whole Philly swag. Just kind of say, who? The Phillies? Oh, yeah, yeah, Bryce Harper, we love him. He's great. Watch us. Watch us run the bases. Watch us, you know, field. Watch us do everything we're supposed to do. And here we are at the World Series. Conversely, 4-1 Philadelphia yeah. would not surprise me one little bit. <laughs> right. I, I, I think this is like the perfect matchup because I totally agree. I think, like you said, the D-backs are one of those not-back-down teams, and they're like, I don't care who you are. I mean, I could see – if if the D-backs were in the AL, I think they'd have the same mindset against the Astros, who have been there seven straight years. And they'd be like, I don't care who you are, where you've been, if you've won a World Series every year that you've been in the league. I don't care. We're going to come out here. We're going to play our game. And I can see them doing it. So And winning and going to the World Series, which would be awesome to see. That would be really cool. But, yeah, this is going to be – it's a tough one to call, just like the – the ALCS, too, I think it's going to be the Astros. I think it's going to be the Phillies. I think the Phillies just have a more, a more complete team. Um, they And they have a, a greater um, margin of error that they can have if certain parts of their game don't show up to their full potential. So I think it's probably going to be a rematch uh, of last year. But, dang, this is going to be... Such an exciting series that starts on Monday. Well, and I think the other thing is because, you know, like like I said before, I think Texas-Houston goes six or seven. This series, I definitely, unless Arizona, you know, the bright lights just get a little too bright for a team that really hasn't been there before, unless they just, you know, they're whatever they – that magic they've been feeding off of for the last couple of weeks just completely burns out. I think this series also has a strong potential to get to the last couple games. And so what's going to be interesting is uh, you and I get together, you know, maybe Thursday or Friday after, uh, you know, we've got a couple, three games on each side in and, you read my mind, and we kind of and we kind of see how close to reality what we've been talking about is, <laughs> um, and we start to really see who are these guys that have put a chokehold on a series. You know, is I mean, is Alvarez the story of October twenty three? You know, is he? Does he have three homers in the first three games of the series? You know, is Corbin Carroll yeah. the guy who, 
you know, while, uh, you know, uh, serious fans have, you know, anointed a future superstar, is he the guy that the rest of the country is saying, who's this kid with the bad haircut on Arizona? I kind of, he's good. Look at him, you know, and, you know, not, not really be able to give a great interview or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's, it, I think it's going to be full of the things you love. I think it's going to be full of a lot of storylines and a lot of interesting, I mean, what if Zach Gallen comes out with his funky glasses and, and, you know, drops an eight inning, you know, two hit, two walk, eight K, you know, performance. And the Phillies are all like, you know, Harper's striking out and everybody's looking like they don't know what they're doing out there. I mean, those are the searching for answers. Oh, it's the, 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 I mean, you got me fired up after this hour or so. I'm ready. I know. And this is only the CS. We've got we got more baseball after this. It's going to get even better. And 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 that's the question. Are we going to are we going to be looking at a World Series where we were just as baffled and just as it's going to be just as difficult to predict or little D-backs Rangers and be like I I I have no idea. Like <laughs> just take your flip a coin. I mean, that's I don't know. That's the series. <laughs> that's the series that the chaos, you know, the folks that thrive on chaos want. Uh, it might be the series that MLB and the networks is are afraid of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, that I think kind of brings us to a close unless there's any final thoughts you have, but I'm, I'm, I'm so ready. I, uh, you know, I want tonight's game to kick us off with uh, some, uh, you know, I I don't want a 10-9 game. I mean, obviously, I'll take it if that's if that's what we're given. Uh, the baseball gods are usually very merciful, so we should get uh, some great baseball. I don't. I prefer not not it to be 10-9, but I also don't want to see you know Alvarez hit a two-run shot in the bottom of the first, and uh, nobody scores again until you know, the Rangers scratch one across in the seventh and it's, you know, and Presley comes in in the ninth to preserve the two, one victory. I mean, it'd be a great baseball game, but it probably wouldn't lend to the kind of drama. What, what was it? Uh, I forget what series it was. I mean, obviously the Braves in game two, but there were very few series that had lead changes after the seventh inning. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll bring that up in our like mid series, uh, episode next. We'll look that up. We'll bring it back. Yeah. Let's do that. And, um, and let's have some fun with these games. Uh, why don't you go ahead and close us out? Give us any final thoughts. Yeah. I was going to say that, like you mentioned with, uh, the kind of games we're looking for, just don't give me like a. 11 to 2 game where everybody wants to shut it off in the fourth inning. Give me like a classic, you know, 6 to 4, 4 to 3, something like that where you get some offense, um, but some high leverage, really good action, stressful baseball in the latter innings of the game. 
um, when the relievers have a lot of pressure on them. So hoping for some good stuff like that. Like you said, the baseball gods are usually good about that in the postseason. Not a whole lot of clunkers usually in the postseason. So uh, the only series I could really see that with is me. Well, actually, I, I could see it in both of them, let's be <laughs> honest. Um, but still, uh, hopefully we'll we'll get some good games, some good baseball. I anticipate that for sure. And um, all starts tonight. We'll check back in in a few nights and uh, see how right we were, like you said, and uh, <clears throat> we'll kind of go from there. But um, everybody enjoy the baseball. Mark, you enjoy your baseball. Um, we'll check back in in a, in a few days. Yeah, thanks, Duncan. And don't forget, everybody, we're Broadway and Clark. Uh, we'll, uh, if, for those of you who don't already know what that means, uh, we'll, we will reveal that in a future episode. But... I think many folks know what we're talking about. Uh, one last thing, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, Mike Maddox, Maddox Mad Dog, is the Rangers uh, pitching coach, a longtime Cardinal pitching coach with, uh, with Tony LaRussa and then some of, well, he had Dave Duncan for most of the time, but... Uh, uh, but he had Matt, uh, but we had Maddox for a lot of years here. And, um, and so there's lots of, lots of Cardinal related storylines. So, uh, don't hesitate to give us a follow on any of the major pod platforms. Uh, we're on Spotify and Apple and, uh, we thank Podbean for their service, uh, which allows us to record regularly here. So we're looking forward to a great championship series. Duncan, we will talk. In a few you days. mentioned. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you mentioned following on uh, social media or uh, uh, on podcast platforms, but social media too. We've got an account uh, on X. Go ahead and follow us on there, Broadway underscore Clark. Go ahead and follow us on there. We'll be posting whenever new episodes are up and everything. Uh, re- retweeting some fun things uh, that we see around the baseball world, Cardinals things, uh, of course. Uh, so follow us there as well uh, if you're on that so do social media platform too. And, uh, yeah, we let us know what you'd like to hear, what you enjoy, what you don't like, what you wish you would see instead. Uh, tell us how much you love Mark uh, and all that too. Uh, we would love to hear that. Um, and yeah, you guys, uh, enjoy everything. Mark, you got anything else? Nope. We'll talk to you in a couple days. Cool. All right. See you later.